2: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. Uh, first up, let's switch it around and introduce Joe first this time, because I think I did Rossi last week. Anyway, hey Joe, how's that, how's it going? It is
0: going fantastic. How about you guys?
2: Um pretty good. And obviously, you know, since I already said his name, we'll just sort of <laughs> add him to the introduction. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? <laughs> uh
1: well, we we talk a lot about eyes and stuff in other podcasts. So, let's not let's yeah. just say let's just say that this week I have now experienced a pain more intense than third-degree burns. I got I got So,
2: in non-eye related trauma
0: News.
1: Hmm. I
2: got my hair
1: done yesterday, and it looks like it's on fire. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, congratulations.
1: That actually looks good. So as I, I, opposed to what I went through, where my eyes were blood red and not it, not didn't look as good. It, it See, took
2: me five hours sitting in a salon chair, but it looks really good. <laughs>
0: See, and I may not have experienced, you know, fabulous hair or excruciating pain, but I did accidentally glue my thumb to my stomach yesterday while I was working on that oh. stupid beetle model Oh no! because <laughs> a little bit of a, a little bead of super glue uh, fell out and it was just at this weird, weird angle. Oh, and no. uh, so I go to, like, put the model down and my shirt starts coming with it.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, ah, damn it. Did you manage to extricate? I'm assuming, yourself from this situation.
0: I did. I did. I'm just losing my my thumb is a little bit raw today. But but you know what? It's not the worst model related injury I've ever had. I've actually uh, accidentally sliced my thumb to the bone with an exacto knife before.
2: Okay, so let's just stop talking (laughs) about injuries altogether today. This week, the lore of getting hurt. (laughs) the lore of pain that
0: actually that actually fits in perfectly with what we're gonna be talking about today
2: i was gonna say lore of pain if we want to talk about something painful we might as well just start right off the bat with saying there's gonna be legion spoilers all over this thing all up in this mess we we already know there's going to be legion spoilers so if you're
1: there might even be spoilers for like future expansions in this there world. might be
2: we we don't know so if you're kind of avoiding that sort of thing please shelve this episode once legion launches on the 30th of august go ahead and come back or actually for this one you may be able to get away with coming back after the broken isles open up on august 9th but i don't know it, it, it's it's one of those things you know we put the disclaimer on every episode because we we really don't censor ourselves, so we just want to let you know right up front. So this week, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things, lore-wise, that came out of Blizzard. Um, first up was the last of the Legion comics, and that was Anduin, Son of the Wolf. And first off, hello, can I say how happy I am to see an Anduin comic? Like, grown up. Look at him. He's all grown up and saved in China. Or Azeroth. Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll throw uh, in
1: some Mulan there while we're at it. Okay, so uh, what did you guys think of this one? I was, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I had thought it would be something involving Storm, uh, the Storm Mountains there, Stormheim. So I was glad it wasn't. Yeah, we
2: but... were all predicting. We're like, oh, yeah. maybe it'll
1: be something about, you know, the different factions that are over on the Broken Isles. Nope, it's Anduin, all right. So uh, I also kind of still don't like Anduin. I'm sorry. I just don't like him. But he did better in this comic than he's done in quite some time. So I'll give him I'll give him credit for that. I yeah,
0: I think that in this comic, he's actually developed into a fully rounded character, at least a little bit, which I think is good, because for the longest time, my problem with him wasn't so much that I hated him as he was just very one dimensional. And here it's you can actually see like, okay well, he's gone through a lot of things over his years here in Azeroth. And this is actually the culmination of them. And he's actually learned from them and developed from them and has grown from them. So I was a little, I I don't want to say like happy about that, but it it made me, yeah, you know, happy is the right word. It made me happy to see that there was more to him.
2: I think as far as Anduin goes, I always, I find it, I, I think I should just say straight up. I'm really glad that Christy Golden decided way back when that she wanted to expand Anduin as a character. Because he was pretty much her doing right off the bat. Um, When she wrote, I forget which book it was. She wrote. She wrote one of the books, and she said,
1: "Cataclysm, the Shattering." Yeah,
2: I think it was the Shattering where he first made like a big, big appearance. Um, And she said that she'd like to take Andwood and actually do something with him in the book. And they said, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. And I mean, he'd made a minor appearance in the Warcraft comics, but he was just like sprightly young lad, you know, there wasn't, he didn't have a whole lot of weight to him beyond dad. You should really try and do this diplomacy thing because I think it's a good thing to do. And it makes sense, dad. So you should go do it, dad. And Varian was finally like, fine. Okay, I'll go do this thing for you. Um, so it was it was nice seeing Anduin like start to develop as a character in, in Prelude to Cataclysm, particularly since he got some really good scenes in that book. But since then, we've seriously we've watched this kid grow up because I remember I remember my first character in Vanilla World of Warcraft, right? My mm-hmm. night elf when I finally got to Stormwind uh, first off when you walk through the gates of stormwind for the first time you get hit with that music theme and it was just like whoa this whoa, place is amazing no, no. <laughs> and then you go and then you go like it's like oh there's a castle i'm gonna go see what's in that castle who's the king here and you go there and it's just this little generic child model named and king and rin king of storm stormwind yeah yeah and it was like why is there a f- year old or how old is this kid why is he in charge this is weird and then it kind of you know started that whole exploration of the story and whatnot but when Varian made his return I, I kind of thought that Anduin was just going to sort of slip into the background and he didn't they didn't let him do that they let him actually come into his own and in this comic in particular we see Anduin as a full-grown man and He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders now. That's weird
1: to think about, though. What? This is actually his second trip on that throne. I know. Yes. Technically speaking, he was crowned king when his father disappeared. They straight up crowned him. Yeah. And so when his father came back, obviously he was more than happy to be like, nope, yours, all yours. But this time, this time time he's in charge. Daddy isn't going to come in and take the throne back
2: no and well, he's not gonna get to fly away with rathion and go explore the world like they talked about in uh the mr pandaria book the war garrosh crimes? trial yeah and war yeah, crimes because um, he he expressed kind of like he he, he told Rathian in the book straight up he's like i don't i don't know if i want to be king and rathion's like why don't i just come get you and we'll just travel the world and it'll be great because you know you're my you... friend and Edward's like you have friends. I'm your friend. You know, there was like that whole back and forth, and it was really cute.
0: I kind of want this perfect bookend, though, of like in Legion. I just want Rathion to show up and offer to be like an advisor to him. Oh. And, just have this, and just have this perfect bookend of King Anduin with a dragon. At with a black side.
1: dragon. Because <laughs> yes, that's always worked out well for the King but, of Stormwind. Yeah, that, that works great for Stormwind. But yeah. My aunt used to say nice things about this place. I don't really remember her saying it, but it's in my racial memory. I just. <laughs> I just. Uh, Rathian's like. Not Rathian, but Anduin.
2: Anduin's one of those characters who, like I said, we've we've literally we've watched him grow up from oh, well. this throwaway NPC that whose biggest role in vanilla was being ushered out of the Stormwind throne room <laughs> when everything went crazy when Anixia was revealed, yeah. to all of a sudden he's stepping up because he has to. His,
1: his... Let, let me at least say this as the guy who who isn't the biggest Anduin fan, I did like how they worked his character in the story. Yeah, Uh, he 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 isn't naive because this is the last. This guy does not have the right to be naive at this point, like not just because the world needs him not to be because he's been through enough that he shouldn't be able to be naive. And they they basically established, yes, he still believes everything he used to believe. But no, you can't just walk in as a demon and fool him. He's kind of tempered it. Yeah, he he still gets. He gets everything. He, he understands the world is not the kind of place where you just get peace because you want it real bad anymore. Well, you know it's, not only,
0: it's not only that, too, but, like, he's also not opposed to actual physical conflict at this point. Like, he understands the place for it or the need for it, which is kind of I've important. Had a,
2: I've had a lot of people actually ask because he was, just because how he attacked in, in the comic. They wanted to know, is Anduin a paladin now? What do you guys
1: think?
0: I don't think. Oh, you, Ojo.
1: No, you Joe. Now you first.
0: I, I I think he transcends anything remotely fa- like near paladin. I think he's still a priest, but I think he's like priest plus. I
1: don't know. I don't agree. I think they're going to make him a paladin. I think they're because that's how paladins started for the, like the alliance. Paladins were just priests who picked up hammers. They were a mush oh. together of sure. And I but, think that basically... well, and they were also
2: warriors that learned how to use the light.
1: Yeah, the, all the, the original start of it was priests. Like, Uther was a priest. Uther yeah. was straight up, you know, and they said, you know, we need dudes to pick up hammers. But I Paul, honestly. Paul, you know, pretty I, much, he was like, yeah. let's take these priests and teach
2: them how to be warriors, and we'll take some of the warriors who seem to be more inclined towards that sort of thing and teach yeah, them teach the ways of the yeah Yeah, and, and teach them the ways of the light. And he just kind of created this. Mash-up. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: I think that's basically the reason I think that that's the way Anduin is going is because he studied the light intensively his whole life at this point. He studied it for years. He studied it under Velen. But the the Draenei have a different philosophy about the light than humans do. And I think that very much Anduin is combining the Draenei and human perspectives. And that's why I think... I don't think he'll stop being a priest. I think he'll actually be a priest who is a paladin. See, and that's why, but that's also why I'm saying that I think
0: he'll be a priest plus is because he's not learning it the way that humans did, right? And it wasn't so much that, or at least in, in the way that I'm looking at it, he didn't really learn uh, just about it through the like the paladin teachings or the priest teachings. He learned about it from the dwarves and then the draenei. And and that was where his influences came from for this. And looking at what he does towards the end of the comic, that doesn't seem like a paladin move to me. That seems more like a light mage to me. And it seems like something that Velen would be possibly capable of, but not necessarily a paladin or a priest on their own and right from the humans.
2: He's studying under Velen, or he was yes. studying under Velen, and he probably still is, because, hello, Let's talk about the last page of that comic. Why don't we? Yeah, we're going to have to talk
1: about the last page of the comic.
2: So the last page of the comic, it doesn't say when. It just says many, many years later, somewhere in the future. You see Anduin in an Exodar that still looks like it's broken for whatever reason.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, but also if you look at it, there's lots of little light cables going from different places that weren't there before.
2: There are. Um and it's Anduin, only it's a much, much older
0: Anduin, an Anduin that is scarred
2: and has been through many battles. And... Oh
0: well, let's call him. Let's call him by his real name, High King Anduin.
2: High King.
0: High King Rin. High... That is what that is what Velen refers to him as.
2: And I mean, you know, you talk about how in Mists of Pandaria they had that whole thing with the whole trials of the High King or whatever, and Varian was like the High King. It looks like Anduin has stepped up and just completely taken his place and kind of eclipsed it even and moved beyond it to a powerhouse. But, I mean, when you go back to um, Velen Prophet's lesson, he, he has that vision and that vision is of Anduin dressed all in white leading the charge on the battlefield and... What do we have on this last page? We've got Anduin dressed all in white,
0: <laughs> getting ready, ready to lead, charge, lead that yeah.
1: charge. Should be pointed out that technically speaking, right now, uh, Anduin—I mean, Anduin's father—is called High King of the Alliance. Yeah, mm-hmm. is his, that is his—that is his title. So it would make sense to a degree. I mean, there's there's always the the situation of people like, why would we listen to him when he like he's he's basically like 19 years old? But I I honestly feel like. The, the, the comic is interesting because it basically shows you, not only does it show you that they're taking the battle to the Legion somewhere, it doesn't say exactly where it is, I don't think. Oh, it, oh, oh we know. It does Yeah, doesn't. we know. We, we not know. say. Um, but what was interesting about it was the idea that he talks about other, you know, all the things we've sacrificed on the way. So who knows how many fights took place, do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know anything between the end of this comic and now. Like, we don't know how long a time it is anduin looks to be in his 40s if not his 50s i mean he's got like oh he's completely white haired his like... beard is he's white up there in years yeah the beard is white he's got as, as you guys pointed out scars all over himself i mean he's standing there next to Velen, and that's the other thing is we we talked about how Velen had trained him but between what we see in legion and what we see in this comic it doesn't feel like like velin trained him it feels like Velen appointed him like do you know how on in, in Warlords Urel basically gets the, the swoosh to the forehead? Yeah, the holy boop. Yeah. Um it feels an awful lot like in this world, since there's no Urell he had to he had to go with Anduin. And Anduin is his chosen successor.
0: You know, I would I was actually thinking about that too, just based off the armor that Anduin's wearing too. I mean those Which is are very like,
1: paladiny armor.
0: They're um, very it's very paladin army, but it's paladin y armor, but it's very specifically Drenai yeah. Paladin armor.
2: It's the crystals yeah. on the shoulders. Yeah.
0: so uh, I have
2: those.
1: I actually feel like I have that set. I was. Looking. Yeah, <laughs> they,
2: they exist. They do exist. Um, the other thing that I find kind of fascinating, if you look at Anduin's face in that last, last panel, he's got two scars, one on each cheek.
0: Mm-hmm. Who and else had
2: that? Yeah, it's almost kind of a mimic of what Varian had, except Varian's went all the way across his face. But I'm like, where did he get those? What happened there? He's seen some stuff somewhere along the line, a lot of stuff. That well, is
1: what ties into. We should probably talk about because that ties into the comic. Yeah, like we we have that whole bit. The comic is basically broken up into like, it's it's Anduin reading the note, um, from his father. The note that he's his father's writing in the cinematic. It cuts off and starts off with him reading the note, and then he's you know he's interrupted, um, by somebody. I believe that I don't remember exactly because I'm not looking at the comic right at the front of my face, but I remember that the the person who interrupts him basically reveals himself as Anathrosim.
0: Yeah, it's it's basically comes in as a Stormwind foot soldier who's supposedly bringing uh, news in from the Broken Isles for him, uh, and he, Anduin's not even looking up; he's still reading the uh, the note. And then he the, that that foot soldier then reveals himself to be Anathrosim. And attempts to take Anduin's life with his weird skull spellblade thingy.
1: Yeah, and Anduin takes him out with, like, basically with almost contempt, mm-hmm. which we should point out. For all that I, I give Anduin crap for not, you know, being ready to fight, Anduin takes this dude out in, like, five seconds.
0: Well, not only that, there's there's in that sequence, there's one important still, too, uh, where it talks about, like, he's, he's grabbed the hand and he's looking at this now stunned uh, Nathrezim. And that face, that's his dad's face. That is 100% a Varian Rin face that he is giving this thing like, I don't have time for
1: you. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you in there at all. It's actually, it's fascinating just because they actually did a, a they chose to make Anduin look a lot like his father here. Yeah, they did. And the cover actually is interesting because he's got his father's sword. Did you yeah. guys yes, that?
0: I did. I did notice that as well. He's got the he's got his dad's sword looks like sitting right next to him.
2: And they bring I mean, he takes the sword. He's using the sword against the Nathrezim. I mean, yeah. he points it at him and he's like, OK, you're going to tell me everything I need to know, because he pretty much just kind of encases that Nathrezim up against the wall and goes, hey, in light,
0: webs. In yeah, light webs
2: in light webs, that was pretty cool. But I mean, he doesn't really hesitate.
1: Nope. Doesn't even slow him down.
2: Doesn't even slow him down. And it, and you know, when push comes to shove and he, and he finds, a, you know, he's got that anathroism that's like taunting him and then offering him peace by saying, okay, well, if you join us, then you can live in peace. You'll just live in peace as like one of us. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And then just, just like, holy punch, it <laughs> obliterates this anathroism. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty fantastic. But yeah, he had his father's sword there too. It was, it, it I don't know. I, I feel really bad for tell- Andwin though because he had just started to get back on good terms with his father and he and his father always had kind of like that shaky relationship and he reflects on this while he's reading that because that, that note that Varian writes, the one that he reads in the Legion cinematic, it, it's kind of an admission that I know we, didn't always get along, but I'm really proud of you and what you've accomplished and you are my son and you've taught me things and I didn't expect you to teach me things. And yeah, it's just sad. The whole thing is sad. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about pain or whatever, this whole comic was painful because it's just, it's,
1: it's Varian's last words pretty much. Well, it's interesting because the light punch you are talking about, I i can't tell if he's using the sword or not in that. It looks cut to me like he is, but I can't tell. It and doesn't... the light punch?
0: No, he put it down on the desk. What'd
1: he put it know?
2: down on the desk, and then he, like, you could see there's a panel with his hands yeah. where he's, like, coalescing
1: the light into it. And then he just, like, punches the Nathrasim. But, I mean, the point is, like, just before he does it, I'm looking at the panel right now. He says, you know, and the wolf is gone forever. I am the light that remains... And then it goes to, it cuts to his hand. You're talking about the light thing, and it reads that last bit from from uh, Varian, the "You must be willing to fight to preserve that piece. You must yeah. be willing to
2: fight. And maybe yeah. Anduin didn't have that particular piece of the puzzle, but mm-hmm. he sure as heck seems to have it here. Um, so yeah, I I don't know where Andwin's going to go in the future, but I guess if if anything, we have a really good indicator that no matter what happens in the future. Velen's going to survive and Andwin's going to
1: survive <laughs> long enough oh. for this final panel. What's interesting too is that even Velen looks older.
0: Yes. You yeah, know, he does. Velen,
1: Velen rarely looks like he's aged much, but he's, he's actually even put on more of a beard. It's like, Velen, dude, you were looking old already, man. But, I mean, it makes sense with everything that he's been through.
0: I mean, and the, and
1: it looks like this,
0: the last se- sequence of panels ties in directly with, uh, the priest order hall, uh, stuff which you know okay I may, it makes sense there but yeah like he's 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 witnessed the 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 re deathening of his son uh he's you know essentially looked at this world that he's he's fled to you know come under assault from the very things that have taken his son from him and yeah he's going to if he didn't look older i would have a problem with that i'm well, really happy is, that he does
1: i don't know this this is a spoiler um but you know what the heck warnings being given if you do that quest where his son dies um you find out one of the things you find out is that the the central core of the first naru has crashed to azeroth and you find it and you take it to velin and he's like yes this is he i forget the name of the of the naru i feel bad about this but he says this is this naru who's the first of the naru prime i believe he says and that's so if the naru are out there the ones that are not with them now are probably dead like there's a there's a huge implication that the naru are not doing well here so if whatever velen's doing here is probably the last stand so that's like the whole let it begin thing when when anduin says let it begin he's basically saying you know this is one way or the other it's the beginning of the end this is is it yeah yeah
2: Yeah. um side note Couldn't help, but when he shows up in that last panel, Velen does, and he goes, Hi, King Rin, it is time. I'm like, What are you going to do? Throw him in a pool? (laughs) And he goes,
1: Well, yes, this pool of holy light. We just (laughs) happen to have it. I've always wanted to dunk kill Jaden in this. I don't know why, I've always felt the need. So
2: anyway, uh, Anduin, Son of the Wolf, you can download that for free on Blizzard's website. And yeah, I'm thinking, where do you guys think that they're going on that last page? Because I'm I'm thinking Argus.
0: I I have tweeted this many, many times with my lovely little Photoshop job of three of my raiding friends inside of a uh, convertible saying, get in losers, we're going to Argus, because get in losers, we're going to Argus.
1: It does feel like, based on the uh, stuff that Joe has mentioned and based on this panel, it does feel an awful lot like they're going to Argus. It just seems to be the most logical place to go. And, you know, given what we heard
2: in the Illidan novel, the one by William King that came out, the prequel for this, um, Argus was kind of where he was aiming for, too. So it kind of makes
1: sense. It's going to be hilarious if at some point it's like Anduin and and Illidan against the forces of evil. like looking next to the guy. He's like, yes, I'm surprised, too. Can we do this? You know, I would
0: I would I would totally pay money for a buddy cop movie of Anduin Rin and Illidan like going against the Legion. I would pay actual money for that.
1: Like I said, I just imagine like everyone's standing there staring and even Anduin's giving them a look and everyone's like, Yes, I know. I didn't expect it to be me either. Can we move on? <laughs> yes,
2: it's awkward. Yeah. Can we just can we just get the show on the road? Yeah, I'd like to see Anduin. Illidan, and then throw Rathion in there, too, because, you know, that bunch, that
1: particular trio, would just be a bundle of laughs and fun. I, I feel I, like I need to be the voice of pragmatism here. <laughs> could we consider tricking them? I mean, because I like to trick people. It's it, it's worked well for me so far.
0: <laughs> oh, we could totally
1: get them
2: to collect would. us, you know, tablets or runes or something. <laughs> that worked out great for me in Pandaria. Shut up, Rathion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, moving on. Obviously, that wasn't the only lore thing that we got uh, from the last couple of weeks here. We also saw the debut of the Harbingers miniseries. Um, we knew that Harbingers Gul'dan was going to be coming out when we recorded the last show. Um, it has come out. And then since then, we've also seen Harbingers Cadgar come out. And I think think the final one because if i remember correctly there's only three this time according to the legion website anyway um the third one is going to be coming out next week uh the other thing that we're going to see is apparently tomorrow is the launch of the audio drama that they're doing for this um and this is the first audio drama that blizzard has ever tried to do so this should be interesting to see what that's all about
1: well they've upped their voice quality quite a bit. They have over the past year, or so they it, have and this will be a good test of it.
2: The thing is is like Jim Cummings
0: better be a voice there too, darn it.
2: Yeah, their voice acting is so on point and so good right now that it only makes sense that they do some kind of an audio drama where they bring in the voice actors and they bring in, you know the big names go ahead and read whatever short story they're doing. I think that's pretty cool because it's something that I could possibly
1: like download and listen to in my car. Someone talked smack to me about the Mists of Pandaria voice acting the other day. Whoa. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Are just, you kidding
0: just, me? Like, wow. Up, that was where they like up, they
1: up the ante. First up, Jim Cummings. Yes. Like, so your arguments invalid right there. Secondly, everybody else. I mean, by yourself, Taoshi is worth like the entire game. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The voice acting in Mr. Pandaria was great. I mean, yes, okay. Laura Bailey did a really weird read at the end of the raid, but that that's, you know, that's it. That's that the was the point. end
2: of the last raid. Everything prior to that was just... Solid. Yeah, I mean, Jade, you know, I'm, I'm going...
1: Jaina that expansion was great. I mean, uh, you know, I liked... Jaina Farisa. was
2: great. Varian was great. Anduin was great. The stuff on the throne, of, or on the uh, Isle of Thunder... All of that stuff was great. All of the Mogu stuff was great. Rathion was hello. Aaron Phillips is just
1: amazing in that role, and uh, I got nothing but uh, but praise for Mister Pandaria voice acting. And frank quite frankly, Warlords, whatever its flaws are, the Warlords has superlative voice acting. Yeah, oh, yeah, it. I can
0: I, like I, I can complain about Warlords at nauseam but i will never ever say a a dirty word about their voice acting like Mr. pandaria was like the switch hit and then since then it's just been upward and upward and it's been improving each expansion on top
2: i'm really i'm really gonna miss warlords because i'm gonna miss ural and i'm gonna miss aaron fitzgerald's (laughs) reading of that particular character because i really liked her a
1: lot she did a very good job um and quite frankly i i feel like we need to have some continuation of that character i i really don't like that she we're never going to see her again because she was such an interesting well-developed character if she's not
0: there for the final stand against the legion i'll be mad if
1: you need us just give
2: us a call and i'm like well why aren't we calling her now because obviously stuff is going down on azeroth we could probably use a fleet of angry draenei especially since we just got done saving their butts so why are why isn't she around you know
1: yeah I, I definitely agree but yeah i'm hoping maybe in a patch maybe in a patch a whole fleet of them will just show up i, I don't want i feel like i derailed us from what you were talking about though about i
2: did the... a little bit or no, i, I did, did and you did and we all did it's lore
0: watch this is what
2: we this do this is what <laughs> people expect we're just
0: giving the audience what they want That's
2: okay all. so um let's go ahead i want to talk about gul'dan i want to talk about harbinger's gul'dan because this was Amazing and terrifying, and it was the backstory for that alternate Dranors version of Goldon. And that was the piece that we didn't have the entire expansion. We didn't know where he came from, we didn't know. Why he wasn't associated with Ner'zhul at all, and if he wasn't associated with Ner'zhul at all, well, then how did he get in touch with the Burning Legion? Like, what happened? Did they just call him up on the phone and say, "Hey, so you were evil for us once before. Don't ask. It's a really complicated story, but we would like you to come be evil for us
1: again." Honestly, you, do you know? know what I think? Seriously, what? Uh, this is something I thought from I first saw it. That is what they did, honestly. Yeah. Because here's, I was watching it and I thought to myself, "What if this is exactly what happened to Goldon the first time?" up until he gets to the throne of the elements what if the first time guldan is mistreated by his clan is driven from them but in that world Nirzul is there at the throne of the elements because his wife is dead he would be going there to see her because the throne of the elements is right next to ashagun right so he'd go to visit her spirit he's he's said to do that all the time and he runs into him yeah they meet they meet he takes Gul'dan as an apprentice, maybe not even because he sees potential in him, but purely out of pity. Like, oh my god, this this boy. Look what they've done to you. All right, yeah, you can be my apprentice. And in this world, Ner'zhul's wife isn't dead. He isn't going to the throne of the elements because she's not there. At this point, they haven't even had a split yet because the, the warlords haven't happened. So he's not there. Gul'dan gets to the throne of the elements, and there's nothing for him. He 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 has no place there. And so the Legion reaches out. And the Legion is we know they cross all timelines, right? They're everywhere. There's yeah. ever Legion. present. Yeah, yeah. So they know. You know what I mean? It's just it's perfect. It's and it was really well done. I mean, I, I watched this and I thought to myself, my God, they actually made me feel bad for Goldon. I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think you could make me feel bad for Goldon, but no, here I am. I actually feel a little bad for him. Not not, you know, too bad for him. Uh, just bad enough yeah i didn't really necessarily feel
2: bad for Goldon. all it did for me was kind of confirm what we already knew that he was evil like personified
1: yeah because he
2: he traveled all the way to the throne of the elements and the elements showed up and they kind of looked at him and they took a really good look at him and when they took that really good look at him They started to pull away because they were like, oh, oh, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, we don't want anything to do with you. And then what did he do? He tried to snatch out and, like, take that power. And when he did that, that was like, that was pretty much all the confirmation that the elements needed to, you know, confirm what they'd already seen that, oh, no, this guy is bad news.
1: Yeah, I get that, but I mean, I, I think Joe's probably gonna say something along this line, so I'll let him talk. But uh, what? Well,
0: uh, this this gave me a, a question about like, what if? Right? Like, and we're talking about what ifs here. So the scene before he gets to the actual throne of the elements is he passes out, right? So, what if he never actually made it to the throne of the elements? What if he never actually was there, and everything that happened to him was a trick of the legion? It's not like we don't know that they do this all of the darn time where they try to present you with different things, and we'll probably talk about that again in the next one if we talk about the next Harbingers one. Uh, But what if this was all an elaborate thing to to play on that despair of this crooked, broken, you know, abandoned orc who has no sense of family, who's told that the elements will love you, and they see everything. The Legion, like, we just talked about this with the Anduin comic, the Legion sees all. So the Legion sees this, and they're like, this is a perfect opportunity. This is our gateway into the world. We can we can manipulate this. Let's present him with a reality in which the elements reject him. Because as a shaman, and as somebody who has really, like, done the whole shaman thing, the elements don't traditionally care. That's why there's dark shaman. They just want to barter with you or talk with you, or you're going to enslave them. Even at the throne there, right? Like, and that's the other thing, too. In all of the timelines... The fell corruption never really touched directly into the throne of the elements because it couldn't. So why it was how, never
2: in Nagrand. It was never in Nagrand. Exactly.
0: So why all of a sudden was it there in this this universe?
2: Okay, so here's where I like go back and talk about um, Garrosh Hellscream and how when he came to Dranor, like this alternate Dranor, what did he do? He took a shard of that mirror, right? He mm-hmm. took that shard, and he went to his dad, only he didn't know, well, Gromash didn't know that he was talking to his son, and they went trucking to the Stones of Prophecy. Guess where they're at? Just south of the Throne of Elements.
1: And yeah, they're underground. What did
2: he do there? He used the mirror to show him Azeroth, like our Azeroth, and the stuff that had happened there, and everything else that had gone on, and Grammash basically got to witness this entire other world, so obviously... There's something wonky going on with the whole throne of elements and the stones of prophecy and everything else. It just it seems like it seems like in this aspect and also maybe even with Goldon earlier, I don't I don't know whether like the Legion is influencing that area and we just don't see it or or well what's we,
1: going on there. Here's the thing, we don't we know that there is in fact an influence in there that is malign and terrible and isn't the Legion because we know what it is. Underneath the ground mm-hmm. are the pale. Oh yeah, and there's and the pale the dark are being dr- they're being drawn to the darken naru. The darken naru is a conduit to the void. And what sleeps in the void? The void lords, mm-hmm. the legion's most mortal enemies, who don't trust them, who, not, who don't fear them, and they actually even think they're useful sometimes. Oh sure, go ahead, burn some worlds. That's fine. Burn we're, this world. We're we're
2: okay with that because you know we're kind of on the same page as far as that goes. We'd so, like. We'd like to destroy
1: everything. You'd like to destroy everything. Yeah, but we're doing it despite you. Okay, we don't care. (laughs) But going back to it for a second, one of the reasons I actually did feel bad for Goldon is really simple. Uh, I'm not saying he isn't evil, but why is he evil? You finally get more than, I love power. You actually see, well, of course he loves power. Because he's been powerless. Of course he wants control. Because he's lacked all control. He's
2: never he's, had it before. Yeah. So
1: that's the he, one thing that he craves yeah. above all else. He's been the kicked on, the kick down dog of an entire clan of orcs. He's been the, the nobody who an entire village basically treated so poorly that the shaman said you have to leave. Looking, look at him when you when he says that. The shaman's like, I've done all I can for you. You have to leave. You go to the throne of the elements. Maybe you can find something there. Yo,
2: buddy, I tried, but I yeah. I, I can't do anything else for you. Speaking of of, Kameis, well, I mean, he was he he did a really yeah. good job in that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I mean, to be fair, I mean, the only reason Gul'dan is alive is simply because of that shaman invoking the ancient orc rite of exile, not necessarily murdering him.
1: Yeah. Like, but it's, like... <laughs> it's fascinating to see. You actually get to see this like. Goldon has always been presented in the past as a fully, you know, fully realized evil force, and you've never really gotten any backstory on him as to why he's a fully realized evil force. In, in the main timeline, he'd st- if this is the same history up to a point, even the main timeline, Goldon now makes more sense. Of course, he betrayed his his mentor. Why? Of course, he betrayed
0: he? his people too. Because why wouldn't he? Yeah.
1: What 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 connection does he have to them? Why would he care what happens to them? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if this is the if this is the backstory for any Goldon you happen to see, suddenly they make sense. Of course, he's like only out for himself. That's what they taught him. And so whether or not the the Legion like actually caught him. a continual never ending hunt for that one thing that he never had. Yeah. And even like leaving aside whether or not he actually got to the throne of elements and the elements rejected him or the Legion put that in his head. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's interesting to think about, but it doesn't really matter because either way. Whichever way it went down, Guldan's response is always going to be the same. What's in it for me? And as soon as he's given an answer that satisfies him, he'll take it. Oh, I get something good. Cool. Burn them all. Yeah, and it's the end of the short is really well done for that because he thanks that shaman. Yeah. And and he.
2: That was was like
1: the creepiest part of the whole
2: thing. This never would have happened without you."
0: you.
1: Thank, thank you. you. This
2: never would have happened without you. You were right. I totally found my destiny, and you're going to die now. Yes, but but I don't want to seem ungrateful. Like <laughs> but I'd like to I'd like to thank you first before yeah. you know.
0: Well, I mean, he wasn't killing him for the sake of killing him. He was killing him for taking his power. I mean, it was the fell.
1: I mean, no, he just but... needed
0: to. It's like I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to take your power now. I'll make it painless for you.
1: No, well, he doesn't even make it painless. He doesn't care about that. He just he just wants to let him know. It's just this little moment of like. It twists the knife just enough to make it so much worse. It's one thing to see your people die, but it's another thing to know it's because of you. If they just killed did he,
2: son, did he? do you think he said it because he was actually feeling a moment of gratitude or was he just trying to twist the knife in a little further? I think both. Why not both? A little yeah, bit
1: exactly. of both? Why not I think both? That's, that is how he expressed his gratitude by destroying everything that guy held dear. Side right note, I like to think that Perhaps
2: Goldon originated from the Flower Picker Clan, and this is why we've never seen them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the brutal Flower Picker Clan.
1: Well, well, he Yarn destroyed Master them
0: all. <laughs> can't pick enough daisies in an hour. You must be destroyed.
1: Join, Master Grawl. No, <laughs> the dinner of Orgrimmar's people were destroyed. That's why we. I was of the Flower Pickers. nobody's ever heard their name and nobody ever will because frankly it's embarrassing
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to hand out flowers now to people
2: (laughs) so as as far as Gul'dan goes do you guys think you know when the Legion when the Legion spoke to him obviously they had things to say to him and they were like hey we're going to promise you power we're going to promise you all of this so Rossi you're saying that when the Legion spoke to him or was it Joe that said this that said when when the legion spoke to him you're saying that they said here's everything that you accomplished on this other world and we'd like to offer that to you again only I'm... in a way where you're victorious
1: did they even bother to show him what he'd accomplished on the other well, world? we don't, we don't yeah. know that's the thing like we
0: don't know like here it is is like
2: they promised him power that's all it said really was that 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 yeah he was going to get power in exchange for
1: being the you know the harbinger of their fury yeah i think that honestly that strikes me as that that's all they needed to offer him like he he, yeah? he he's the
0: perfect storm oh yeah he's he's at the the depths of his despair he's been powerless and weak he almost just died to birds i mean he's here's he's right. here's,
2: here's my here's my thought though i think you might be on to something though joe because He knew that Garrosh was Grom's son. Yes. And he knew who Cadgar was. Yes. He had he had knowledge that kind of went beyond what an orc who just, you know, grew up on Draenor should have. So I'm wondering in well, that we- moment, did they show him key points from this other Gul'dan's life? They didn't show him the part where, oh, yeah, no, you kind of went power hungry, went to steal, you know, the something from the tomb of Sargeras. And then you became a skull that haunted everybody forever. They didn't show him that part because that was kind of a bad part. But they showed him <laughs> the good parts where it was like, look at how powerful you were. Look at how well, you put this it, horde together, and look what you did. This it it was so cool. An, you should totally to do another, this again.
0: It boils well, on to another question, though, too, because we, we've established that to a certain extent the Legion is sort of hive mind, right? Like, they, they have a certain collective knowledge that they share, that, that they base off of. The question to me is now, this opens up, how is that information delineated and blocked off from all the other facets of the Legion? Because we know... That like the Nathrezim know everything, and we've seen that like they're the most they're the most trusted, most vile, and they have the most knowledge out of any of the base troops or or lieutenants or or generals out there, uh, minus like old Gul'dan or you know Illidan after he consumed the original Gul'dan skull. So I mean, the question here is, if if they are showing that he is now part of the Legion, he has accepted the Fell, he is part of this group, he's been converted, how do they keep him from knowing everything else, even if they only show him the peace.
1: I don't think it's hive-minded. I don't think that they – I think basically the Nathrazim serve as an intelligence agency. I think that's been established. It's pretty common. The Nathrazim know what they know because they they go out and find out. Um, they spy on people. It's not as simple as – if they were all-knowing, then we'd be dead already. They would know exactly who to kill. They would do it immediately. They wouldn't wait around. They they, they aren't all-knowing. What they are is extremely good at their jobs. And the thing is – is the interesting thing is that we know one thing about the Nathrazim. They like worlds that are basically in the process of being destroyed by the Void Lords and the Old Gods. They love those worlds. They spend time on them. They're drawn to them. That's where Sargeras found them, and that's where he tortured one of them for information. So we don't know how loyal the Nathrezim actually are to the Legion. That's a thing to think about. Yeah. Nathrezim don't die, and they can keep coming back. And who well, say they're not that's
0: a that's an interesting question, though, too, because after the events of the, the Illidan novel, is that true anymore?
1: Is what true anymore? That they don't die? That yeah. they
0: don't die because their world is gone. Their world has exploded. They have nowhere yeah. else to, to, to teleport
1: back to, essentially. Yeah, they do. The Tichondrius comes back in this expansion.
2: They, they're ah. in the Twisting
1: Nether. As long as they're in the Twisting Nether. You come right on back. Nathrezim, come back. It doesn't matter what you do. Blow up their planet. It doesn't matter. Because Tichondrius came back and Veramothra, like all of them came back. In the broken, in the broken shore, which means right now. Um, uh, yeah, and by the way,
2: spoilers, guys, for what's coming in a couple of weeks here, but yeah. I, I feel
1: like that that ship has sailed when we talked about Varian already. Probably,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, the, the, no, the Natherism. As long as the uh, Twisting Nether exists, they come back. You see them and, all. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting to me is. We don't know, like the Legion itself is in a really weird position where they might be pursuing a goal they can't actually achieve. While at the same time they've made it so, you know, they're an incredible threat that has to be stopped at all costs. But so the whole thing with this movie with the Gul'dan, them recruiting Goldon, is they basically admitted there's something we can't do and we need you to do it. But think about what that says about Goldon. He's that bad. He's that vile a person, an orc, that they needed him. Like he he is what they needed. That's that to me is just usually the nathrosim go to the plants themselves and and create cults and do stuff like that. And this time they didn't. This time they used the Goldon.
2: So I wrote a Know Your Lore on Goldon this week, um, and you can read that on the website there. But um, I kind of questioned something at the end of the column, and I'm going to bring that up here so that we can actually like talk about it because I kind of wanted you guys' opinions on this. The the fact that. This time around, when the Legion contacted Gul'dan this time around, they just, they skipped the whole Ner'zhul part of the equation. And I feel like they did that on purpose because they, as they saw in that original timeline, in that failed version, recruiting Ner'zhul didn't work out. Tricking Ner'zhul did not work out. So obviously, you know, let's let's just skip him because he didn't work right. Let's go to the one guy who did work for us until a certain point. Let's let's go to that guy directly. And they went and they contacted Goldon. And um, I'm just going to read this last section here. I, I said, it's these actions that make me wonder about the nature of these alternate realities in the Warcraft universe. Was the Draenor of Warlords a separate existence on its own? Or did it come into existence because of the Legion's intervention? Was the entire purpose of Warlords simply a trick of the Burning Legion, a method of bringing Goldon back into play? And then I said that... Um, the entire reason that Gul'dan became as powerful as he is is because of our interference. We showed up. We set him free. We set him free. We started dismantling the Iron Horde. The more we dismantled the Iron Horde, the more powerful Gul'dan became. You know, we got we got to the point where Gul'dan could like take over as leader and just kind of like let the Legion run rampant in Tanan. So I'm wondering, were we actually doing something good and noble when we went to Draenor to stop the Iron Horde, or were we inadvertently puppets of the Burning Legion? Was this all part of their plan? Did they have something to do with Kairos?
0: You know, I, and I, I, I was wondering that same thing months ago, because we are a predictable quantity. Like, we, you know what the heroes of Azeroth are going to do when presented with certain situations. We don't sit back,
2: and the legion's been studying this
0: we've been a, forever yeah, for for forever since since mortals have begun fighting back against the legion on Azeroth, they know what we're going to do. we're going to rise to the challenge we're going to gather our forces and we're going to throw caution to the wind and and you know obliterate it if we can so there there there's a possibility of that at least in my mind, where the legion could have potentially maybe tried to set something of like this up and it doesn't take much right like you you Kairaz, you say. You know, you have another dragon appear to him, and because the, the aspects are gone and they're all weak, everybody else is maybe a little bit weaker. They may not be able to see that he's actually an agent of the Legion anymore. And, you know, I heard stories that, you know, we, we used to be keeping these alternate realities from, you know, popping back up and trying to yank them back into the main timeline. I wonder if we could keep one of those open. Oh well, idle thought. See you later. And then you go back, and Kyras is like, "Wait a minute, that'd be a great idea. We could, oh, we could go back and get the orcs before they were all obliterated and became demons. So we can get like, them. Oh no! Oh,
2: yeah. So like, this is where it all ties into, though, and where it starts get, getting kind of confusing to me, and I'm still trying to kind of unravel this aspect of it. And Rossi, I want your opinion on this too. Well, obviously, if- the infinite Dragonflight originally. I mean, Nosdormu stated that that. The whole infinite thing was because of the old gods. Well, we defeated Deathwing, Nosdormu, along with the other aspects. They expended their last of their powers to do this. And we thought that the infinite were taken care of because we thought we had done that in end time when we defeated Z- uh, uh, Murazond. See, Yet, in War Crimes, they show up again, and Kairos is working with them. So, are these actually the Infinite that we're familiar with, or are these agents of the Burning Legion, maybe, already putting things into place? What do you
1: think? Well, well here's the thing, first off. Um, Nostormu is not reliable when it comes to telling us anything about the Infinite Dragon. No,
2: because he kind of exists everywhere, every when, all at once. Well, so. not just
1: that. When, when you go to end time, and you fight Murazond... Mirzon does not cry out to the old gods for help. No, Murzan calls out to Amonthul. He does not at any point trying to, he's not saying, you know, for the glory of the old gods or your timeline will be destroyed. He says, you know, Amonthul, they have defeated me. And the
2: only reason that I say that it, we, well, no, no, we I, assumed I, it well, was the
1: old gods was because of that other short story
2: that we got. Hmm. Where Nosdormu just, like, flat out... Or no, was it the short story? No, it was the end of uh, Thrall, Twilight of the Aspects. Nosdormu mm-hmm. says, it's all the old gods. And everybody goes, oh, of course. And yeah. I sit there scratching my head going, yeah, I figured
1: that out a long time ago. But okay, Nosdormu, go on. Well, here's thing, <laughs> like, but, but here's my point. When you go into um, the various Caverns of Time dungeons to stop the infinite dragonflight, uh, specifically when you go to Black Morass... And you're stopping them from interfering with the the dark portal uh Aeonus says this clockwork universe must be unmade, and i've always it's always stuck with me the infinites yeah are not, it's like the infinites are not out to just break stuff it's the clockwork nature of it that they don't like it's 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 the
2: there is one true timeline aspect yeah. of things that they're not one hundred percent
1: on board with which is. You know, a creation of the Titans. It's the creation of of Amon agent, Nosdormu. Now, you're talking about the Legion. Who's the leader of the Legion again? Sargeras. And Sargeras went up against all of the Titans. Now, would if Sargeras wants to defeat the Void Lords and the Old Gods, the best way to do it is to have an infinity of choices to pick from in the first place. That's the first thing to consider. The second thing to consider is this: we don't know. How the Legion is affected by time travel? As beings that exist across all realities, if you travel back in time, do they know the future? Do they know the future of an Azeroth that's 35 years in its future? Do or they the star- see the infinite possibilities of everything, well, or do really they good- need
2: the infinite to do that for them?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really for good that question. that matter, too. Yeah. Like we talked about, you know, did the Legion show Goldon like what the other Goldon had done? Could they? Because they're 35 years in the past. They might not know what Gul'dan did. Well, I guess or, it also depends on if, how they got there, too, right? But if they, now, if the Legion engineered all this, if the Legion basically convinced Kairos somehow, possibly working for the Infinite Dragonflight, possibly some other way, if they're the ones that put this idea in play in the first place, then they probably would know because they wouldn't do it if they couldn't benefit from it. Does that right, make but, sense? Yeah, but maybe,
0: and maybe the time travel bit is a little bit weird too. Because, I mean, for lack, lack of a better term, we know that Warlords was an alternate reality slash time shift, right?
1: Yeah, it was an alternate reality, but it was still the events were right. still thirty-five years ago.
0: Right, but what if what if the Legion needed that gateway open in order to get agents there to begin with? Like they they understood the possibility of what could happen. Like we understand that we can open up these these. These portals, we can't do it, but this particular group can and then send agents through that way.
1: Here's the thing to think about with that, though. We, we know Kairos goes back at a point before Warlord starts. We don't know exactly when Gul'dan has the experiences mm-hmm. we see in this movie. What if the reason for Kairos' trip in the first place, you just mentioned so they could send agents through, what if it is so the Legion can contact Gul'dan that's what I was was wondering here's the thing what if the Legion that contacts Gul'dan is our Legion from our time I know that the Legion's the same throughout all all universes but they might have actually be future Legion Mm -hmm. contacting Gul'dan he may have always been working for future uh, Legion who at the moment they made contact would suddenly be able to talk contact their own selves because they're themselves the Legion exists across timelines, but they don't necessarily exist forward and backwards in time at once. They still seem to have a, a temporal existence.
0: Right, because they, they have still to, they're so, present at that particular time. Those events, like they're there right then and there.
1: But once, like if if Dormu, like, it's if I came back from time, if if I right now went back in time half an hour and talked to myself, it would still be myself half an hour ago. If agents from the legion go back in time 35 years they can then tell themselves and they know who that you know, that's definitely me because yep. i mean i can feel him uh, we are the same being so you're telling me that none of this will work yes but but here's the plan that could be what happened it's just one possibility mind. mine uh the other possibility is still old god involvement because again the old gods don't fear the legion the void lords do not fear the legion they don't fear sargeras He serves a purpose as far as they're concerned. They're perfectly happy to let him rampage around destroying everything. Uh, Again, I go back to, what's the bloody dungeon? Architraz? Yeah, Yeah, Architraz. Yes. You know, no force in the universe can make us bend our knee, not even the mighty legion. They are not afraid. Um, So this plays again to the whole, are the Nathrezim? who are the Nathrezim really working for? You know, we've seen people switch paymasters a lot in this game, but... Imagine that the Nathrezim are actually that corrupt, that they're willing and able to betray the Legion to the Void Lords.
0: Well, I mean, it would make sense, right? Because they're drawn to the Void to begin with. They love it. They feast on that, that sort of that power, right? They feast and on that vacuum.
1: So They were forced into the Legion. Yeah. They, so they were if... fruited. They were forced. He broke, Sargeras broke Mardun and made them join on penalty of death because he'd finally figured out how to kill them. Yeah, so I mean, mind, the only being who knows how to kill the, Sar- the that was forever is Sargeras.
0: Yeah. And that gives you perfect incentive to
1: try him. You don't like. Yeah, it. yeah absolutely. So there's a so, lot going on
2: here. Now that we've thoroughly probably broken your brains with all this talk of time travel, alternate universes, infinite dragon flights and everything else. We kind of actually need to wrap it up for this Aww. episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's about that time. I know. We could keep rambling forever, but we're going to have to save the rest of it for the next episode. So uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And if you're wondering, um, obviously, Antwin, Son of the Wolf, you can download that for free on the website Harbingers Gul'dan. You can view that on the official World of Warcraft YouTube account. They also have Harbingers Cadgar, which we didn't get to today, but we will totally get to next time. And if you're Interested in checking out Blizzard's other novels and media for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch? Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have a lot of Warcraft books. They have Illidan, obviously, we mentioned that previously. They also have War Crimes on there. If you haven't read War Crimes or seen, you know, pick that up yet, you can get that as part of that free trial. Um, you can download many of Blizzard's titles beyond that as well and you can sign up for that trial at blizzardwatchcom slash audible um next week or well not next week in two weeks time we'll go ahead and we'll talk about harbingers cadgar and we'll also talk about the other harbingers because that's coming out this week i'm assuming the last one um and we'll probably also touch on that whole audio drama that they're coming out with tomorrow we'll see what that's all about about and what it's like and whether or not we like it and give you guys lots of words of wisdom. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Rossi, final thoughts.
1: I just realized that if we go with the assumption that the old gods are responsible for the infinite dragonflight and the Nathra's are working as sleeper agents for the old gods, that they could easily be colluding with each other. And also, this would all connect to Karazon and Harbingers Cadgar, because Karazon exists outside mm-hmm. of time and outside of dimensions. And they could be trying to. That's why they want to take Karazon so they can use it. Yeah, it is, I could have gone on for another half an hour. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
2: It's okay. Next time, we'll talk about it. I swear. Um, Joe, final thoughts?
0: I mean, Rossi basically went exactly where I was going to go to, so I can't really say much else. But, oh man, like, there's so much that could possibly be going on here. And for, I want to point this out, for all of you that were tweeting at us, worried that we weren't going to have stuff to talk about once Chronicles came out. Yeah, that didn't happen.
2: Final thoughts from me. Eventually, we're going to have to get back to Chronicle, but not yet. So... (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you in two weeks.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,